Thank you so much for joining us online. Next Level Church exists to lead people to become fully engaged followers of Jesus. We'd love to hear about what God is doing in your life. You can email us at mystory@nextlevelchurch.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For locations and service times, visit nextlevelchurch.com locations. Also, if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing at Next Level by giving, go to nextlevelchurch.com give. We hope you enjoy this message and have a great day. What's going on, Next Level Church? Good to be with you this weekend. Let me welcome all of our locations real quick. Fort Myers location, whatever service you're in, welcome to you. Gateway, welcome to you as well. Coconut Point, anybody watching online, so glad that you are participating with us this weekend in one of our services as we close out this Just Be series. Come on, if you're excited to learn about Jesus this weekend, say yeah. yeah. Well, we are excited that you're here, and I am excited to close out this series. Real quick, though, before we jump into all that, maybe you've been coming to Next Level for the last four or five weeks. Maybe you've been, um, I'm going to fix this real quick because that's going to do that all service. So everybody just count to three. There we go. And we're back on. All right. Back to what we're doing. So um, no, if you've been coming to Next Level for the last three or four weeks or maybe since uh, the beginning of this Just Be series and you've never turned in a first time card, that connection card that we're talking about, we would love for you to do that. Now, look, if you've been coming for a year or six months, that's on you. Uh, you don't get the new gift. So if you're like, oh, I can't start it coming like a year ago, um, I I'll turn in my thing now and get a gift. Nah. -uh. But if you've been coming for like the last four or five weeks, we want you to go out to your the welcoming center. Uh, you'll find that outside of your service at your location because these t-shirts are the new first time gift. So you need to go and get you a t-shirt. So again, if you've been coming since the beginning of this series, go get you a t-shirt. If you've been coming for six months, that's on you. So don't go get one. So no, but we're so glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you in some way, shape, or form. I love this time of year. Uh, it's August 5th, 6th weekend. Um, I love it. My, one of my favorite times of the year because it's, it's, it's a special time. Anybody? Everybody know why? We are 30 days, 30 days away from football. Ah, yes. Whatever location you're in, stretch your arms out right now towards the screen. We're going to pray. Jesus, we just pray right now for Auburn football. And Lord, we're just so thankful that God's team is going to be good this year. And Lord, we just pray, Jesus, that we won't go eight and five when we're ranked inside the top 10 preseason like every other year. Jesus, we just believe you're going to bless it. And we pray all this. And everybody at every location that's an Auburn fan said, amen. Some of you right now scream something that one of our security people will be coming and grabbing you and taking you out of your auditorium at your location. And we'd love to see you sometime in the near future. So football season is almost here. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I know some of you have been traveling all summer on vacation. Um, if you're anything like me, you remember being a kid, maybe you took a summer vacation every year. We took a vacation every year to North Carolina. To um, We went to Black Mountain, North Carolina, and we would drive nine and a half hours. My dad, my mom, my little brother, uh, and myself, we had one of those big Astro vans, like it had the curtains, and you could put like the TV and the Nintendo in it. Anybody, anybody remember those? Ours was turquoise and white. It was sweet. We had made it. Uh, we would drive all the time. I remember asking my parents the same question all the time on that 10-hour drive. Maybe you parents, you traveled this summer. Doesn't matter. 10 minutes out of your driveway, two hours down the road, three hours before you get there, or as you pull into the hotel, every kid, myself included, you included, and your kids included, all ask the same question. What's the question? Are we there yet? <laughs> Are we there yet? Like every single kid asks that question. And here's what I think. I think that maybe for some of us, we look at this part of the year and we're halfway through the year and 
and we look on at where we were at the beginning of the year, and now it's August, and maybe we weren't where we, we were at the beginning of 2017, but we're not actually where we want to be either, that maybe we're not where we were, and we're right here now, but there's still a place that we want to be as well, and maybe that's you. Maybe since the beginning of the summer, you're not where you were when the summer started, but you're not where you want to be yet either. You're not there yet. And aren't we living in a world today that, that says, hey, you should be to where there is 10 times faster than what's reality? Aren't we living in a world today that says that you should just order it um, online, you should swipe the card, you should be to your there yet a lot quicker than what reality really is. Maybe we weren't where we were a year ago, but we're not where we want to be either. The truth is we live in a world where we think that we should have our dream home by the time we're 25 years old. That we live in a world that we should be driving our dream car by the time we graduate college at 22. And if we can't afford it, just lease it. The truth is we live in a world that says we should have that second home, lake home, beach home, mountain home by the time we're 40 or take lavish vacations by the time we're 25, 26, three or four of those a year. That we look in a world today that's telling us we should be to our there yet way before reality actually is. And I can't imagine that there's not hundreds and hundreds of us, if not 90 plus percent of us that are at Next Level Church this weekend in one of our locations participating in one of these services and you're not asking the same question that our kids ask, and that is, God, are we there yet? God, are we there yet? God, I know I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be either. That I started here, and now I'm here, but I sure would like to be there. God, are we... Are we there yet? I want to submit to you this weekend in all of our locations that if you're in that season, which I would say 90 plus percent of us are in that season of asking God, are we there yet? I want you to take on what I am calling this weekend what is a meantime season. It's a meantime season. Can you guys grab me a mic? That's going to drive me nuts the rest of the night. Maybe you can't hear it, but I can hear it. So everybody give me one second. Pastor Josh. Check, check, check. There we go. We're going to preach tonight. Everybody good? Here we go. We got the mic. I want to submit to you tonight that maybe you're in a meantime season. That if you find yourself not where you were, but not where you'd like to be, then you are in a meantime season. And what do you do when you find yourself in a meantime season? What do you do when you find yourself where you currently are, stuck, looking on at where you're supposed to be, and you've done everything you know how to do to get there, but you just can't seem to get there. You're stuck in a meantime season. I want to submit to you a big idea this weekend, and that big idea is simply this, is that between the promise of God and the payoff from God is the process of God. That between the promise of God and the payoff from God is the process of God, a meantime season. Maybe for some of us, the meantime season looks a little different than somebody else. Maybe some of you are here this weekend and you're in a very, very tough meantime season. Maybe you just walked through a divorce this year in 2017 and your relationship meantime season's pretty tough right now. 
Maybe for some of us, we had a financial surprise this summer that we've done everything right with our finances. We've budgeted, we've saved, we've given, and then something happened this summer and it wiped our savings and now we find ourselves in another financial meantime season. For some of us, maybe you lost a job two, three, four weeks ago, a job, a, a career that you've been working in for months and years maybe for some of us, and, and we look on and now we don't know what, what's going to happen with our job and our career. We find ourselves in a meantime season. For some of us, maybe there's a sickness that, that we've had for years. Maybe for some of us this summer, we found out that we have some type of sickness or our family member, a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, a grandma has a sickness and we don't know what to expect and we find ourselves in a, in a meantime season. So the question is, what do we do? That if it's true that majority of us sitting here this week and find ourselves not where we were, but not where we want to be, and we find ourselves living in the process of God in what I would call a meantime season, then what do we do? What do we do when we've prayed? What do we do when we've read our Bible? What do we do when we've soaked? What do we do when we've come into this place and we've worshiped during the songs and we've leaned in during the messages? What do we do when we've fasted, when we've gone to doctors, when we've gone and got coaching, when we've read books and blogs and articles and applied the seven steps that they've told us to? We've applied the practicals to our life. What do we do when we've applied everything and done everything that we know how to do, yet we still find ourselves in a meantime season? I'm going to give you the only answer that I know. After living 34 years on this earth and being a pastor and seeing so many things in your lives and watching so many things in my lives and talking to people that are older and ahead of me, I'm just going to give you the only answer that I know this weekend to when you find yourself in a meantime season. It's that you just have to be faithful. Just be faithful. There's story after story in the Bible about meantime seasons. That Jesus, when he was 12 years old, the Bible kind of like stops his story for, I don't know, the next 18 years until he's 30. And then he's 30 and the Bible picks back up his story again. That The Bible talks about Jesus' birth, talks about his childhood, talks about him studying the scriptures inside of the temple with the Pharisees. And then at like 12, it just stops. And for the next 18 years, we don't hear much about Jesus' life until he's 30 and it's time for him to go into ministry and fulfill everything that the scriptures had said he was supposed to fulfill. And at 30, he gets baptized and then goes into ministry for the next three years. And then he's crucified on a cross and, and he dies, but then he's resurrected. But as far as living on earth, we only get the first 12 years and then we get the last three years. The, 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 between 12 and 30, what happened in the meantime? What happened when Jesus knew what he was supposed to do on earth and then when it came time to fulfill what he was going to do on earth? What happened in the meantime, the process of God's season in his life? Story after story after story in the Bible. And I believe this weekend God would want me to tell many of you this weekend just simply this. In the meantime season, there is so much that God's doing in you in private that he can't do through you in public yet. That the meantime season of your life is because God is working a process inside of you. And he's working something in you in private that he'd love to do through you in public. But in the meantime right now, there's a process of God that's happening before his promise can come true. I was reading several passages of scripture when I, when I came on this idea of in the meantime. And it was actually when I read the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 16 through 18 that it all made sense to me. 
that Elijah was this prophet of God. A, a prophet was someone that would get a word from God and, and then he was supposed to go communicate it to God's people, the Israelites, and go to the king and tell them what God had told them. And Elijah was in this story and the story picks up in 1 Kings chapter 16 through 18. If you want to turn your Bibles or flip on the NLC app or you can follow along with me on the TV if you don't have any of those. And Elijah goes to this king and God spoke to him and Elijah goes to the king and he tells the king exactly what the Lord had told him. That this king was not a very good king, that this king was actually a bad king for God's people, the Israelites, and he married this woman that had an evil spirit on her. And she had brought in all these false prophets from everywhere, and, and they were teaching the Israelites to worship these little g-gods. So God speaks to Elijah the prophet and sends Elijah to tell them some pretty bad news. And that's where we pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 through 22. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe or somewhere in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except for my word. That Elijah goes to this king of the Israelites and says, hey, you've got all these false prophets coming in. They are worshiping little g-gods that are not worshiping the only God, the God that delivered them out of slavery, the God of Israel. They're not worshiping big g-god. They're worshiping all these little g-gods. So I need you to go tell the king there's about to be a drought. No rain, no dew, no water will come onto this land and I until I tell you again, Elijah, that it'll come. So Elijah gets to go deliver that message. Verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. Anybody else? Like, okay, Lord, <laughs> you're going to need to do a little better than tell me there's going to be no water in the land, but you're going to have some birdies come and drop me some food every day until you tell me again that it's going to happen. Anybody else read that part of the story and go, really, God? You're going to direct the ravens to supply me with some food, and that's how I'm going to eat. Verse 5. So he did what the Lord had told him, and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, and then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to that place. And the <laughs> You guys always laugh. Listen, I try to listen to it on the Bible app to hear what they say, but this South Alabama boy made a C- in Bible theology and Greek. I just don't want to lie to you and act like I can say that word as I'm reading God's word. I don't want to lie to you. So I just say, that place. So go at once to that place in the region of that place and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. How many of us know that in our dry seasons, God will supply us with exactly what we need to get through it? That he goes to this widow's house now and he shows up and she's supposed to, to randomly feed him after the birds didn't have enough food anymore. Verse 10, verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour and a jar and a little olive oil and a jug. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf of bread. Like, come on, Elijah. Homegirl just said she had no food for herself. You need to go home and make me some food, Elijah says, of bread for me for what you have, and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and for your son. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I get to make something for, for me and my kid as well. Appreciate that. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. It goes on. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day. For Elijah, 
and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. God's word is real in your life. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah, it goes on. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what did you do? What do, I, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Elijah stretches out over this boy three times, and then it says he cried out to the Lord. How many of us know in our meantime seasons, in our stuck seasons, that we can't just be casual with our prayer and request to God? Elijah's looking on at this situation in desperation, and he cries out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. Verse 22, the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. The story continues on in 1 Kings chapter 18. After a long time, a meantime season, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain to the land. So three years from the time God spoke to Elijah that there would be a drought in the land, three years until God spoke to him again and said, now go to King Ahab. And all in between the three years, God supplied for Elijah. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab. I'll send rain on the land. Verse 2, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe. How many of us know that <laughs> how many of us know that in our stuck meantime seasons that it's always right at the end when it's severe that it's always right at the end when it's the driest that it's always at the end when we're ready to give up that the Lord shows up and shows out That's going to make sense in just a few minutes It goes on Verse 22, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. Actually, there were other prophets in a cave that the Lord was protecting, but Elijah was the only prophet of God that God was using at this time. But Baal has 450 prophets, 450 false prophets that are convincing the Israelites to worship these little G gods, and Elijah's the only real prophet from big G. God, get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but I won't set fire to it either. Then you call on the name of your little G-God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is big G-God. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Since there are so many of you, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they both are preparing an area with wood and they're going to call on God and whichever God lights the fire first is the big G, God. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, all these false prophets. Baal, answer us, they shouted. Baal, Baal, whatever. But there was no response. No one answered. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. I love it. My man's like, ah, yeah, shout louder, you fools. Surely he is God. Perhaps he's in deep thought. 
Maybe he's busy or traveling. Maybe he's playing Xbox. Maybe he's in the restroom. I don't know. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shout it louder and slash themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom until they bled. Aren't you glad we live in 2017? I don't know how many times I've prayed that I've not heard the Lord speak to me, but I'm glad I don't have to be like, (laughs) it's ridiculous, isn't it? Go ahead. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord. How many of us know that maybe we're in our meantime season and the Lord's just repairing our altar? We want God to bless us. We want God to answer our prayers. But but where we were, where we are, and then where we want to be, is it possible that God's just doing a process in us of rebuilding our altar so that when we cry out for him, it's from a purity of heart? Is it possible that some of us need to start looking at our altar that we pray from We want God to bring big blessing on our life, but our altar doesn't seem to actually match up with the request we're asking for. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold 24 pounds of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it, On the offering and on the wood, these were not regular jars. These were massive, massive jars full of water. Probably took several people to carry them. Do that. Then he looks on in verse 34 and says, hey, do it again. That's eight times. Then he said, hey, hey, you know what? Do it again. Do it a third time. He ordered and they they did it the third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench Verse 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. I don't think Elijah is praying this casually, by the way. That I think we might misunderstand when people are seeking God in the Bible that it's not a casual prayer in the morning on the way to work in our car. It's not a casual blessing of the lunch at lunch. It's not a quick prayer before we go to bed at night. And there's nothing wrong with those things because we're all on a different walk with our prayer life. I know that. I understand that. But even in our short prayers, even in our insecure prayers, there is a desperation of God. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. The wood, the stones, and the soil licked up the water in the trench. Verse 39. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is is God. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, big man. For there is a sound of heavy rain. All throughout the Bible, the Bible uses rain as blessing. 
I want you to hear something, Next Level Church. Listen, if you'll get these next couple points of this message and you'll seek God the way that I'm talking about and you'll keep repairing your altar day in and day out, not a perfect altar, but one that's always being repaired, always being replaced, always looking to make sure there's not something that needs to be repaired for God. It's never going to be perfect. It is a process. But if you'll do that, I think that God just might show up and you might just start hearing the sound of heavy rain in your life, on your marriage, on your business, with your teenagers single person with a relationship that he wants for you, if you will prepare your altar and cry out to God, maybe the sound of rain is coming in your life as well. Verse 42, so Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of this mountain, bent down to the ground, and put his face in between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and the servant looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go until Ahab. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with the clouds. The wind rose and a heavy rain started to fall. This weekend, I just want you to know a few things about your meantime season. If you'll write these things down and you'll follow me here, we might even have some time at the end to reflect a little bit. I just believe that God's going to do something special in your heart this weekend. Things to know in your meantime season. The first one is simply this, is you will need, what you need will appear in less significant ways than you think. You need to know in your meantime season that what you need will appear in less significant ways than you think. Did you see it in chapter 17, verse 4? It says, you will drink from the brook, and I, I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. Pour water on the, on the altar. Pour these four jars. Do it again. Do it a third time. Go and look seven times. A small hand. A small thing of olive oil. A little bit of flour. It'll feed you in the meantime season. Some of you, you look on at the world and you think that you need something that you don't need to get through your meantime. What you need is Jesus. The world can offer you all kinds of things that you need when you feel stuck, that you need when you feel like you're depressed, that you need when you feel sad, that you need when you feel lonely, that you need when you feel angry. And I am just here to tell you this weekend, the only thing you need in your meantime stuck season is Jesus. Period. No but. No comma, no and. Jesus. Jesus. It's the only thing that will get you through these meantime seasons of life. The Bible's clear that you will have trouble. There will be mountains. There will be valleys. But I am here with you, Jesus says. The question is, how much are you actually seeking him? How much are you actually passing by the small things that he's trying to provide from you from ravens or small jars that he's putting right out in front of you, that he's telling you about, maybe you're missing them because they seem insignificant. Here's the question for you this week, and what is, what is God using right now that seems insignificant in your life that's the very thing you need to get you through your meantime season? Here's another way to say it. What are you neglecting in your life right now that seems insignificant that could be the very thing that you need to get you through your meantime season? The second thing I want you to hear this weekend is you might hear it way before you see it. When you're stuck in a meantime season, listen, God will speak to you. His word is real. His word is alive. And the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. But sometimes you might hear it way before you see it. It's like an ambulance. Anybody else like driving down Daniel's Colonial somewhere in Astero or, or Gateway or out in Lehigh somewhere, all of a sudden you hear the ambulance and you're like, where is it? 
Like you're looking in your rear view, you're looking in your side mirrors, you're, you're looking around to the street, to the left and the right, and then all of a sudden, 20, 30 seconds after you hear it, it appears somewhere. But you hear it way before you see it. If you're from the South, crickets. <laughs> you hear them, you just, can't, you just can't see them. Chapter 18, it, there's a sound of heavy rain. Elijah knew there would be rain because God had spoken to him three years ago that there would not be rain until he was spoken to again. Then God spoke to him again and said, go and tell King Ahab there's rain. But even when he got there, there was still just the sound of heavy rain. Still a sound of heavy rain. Is it possible that God's trying to speak to you and give you exactly what you need to get through your meantime season? You're just not just being enough to hear him? Here's another way to ask it. Whose voice is louder? The world's or God's? If you were to write out to the left the world's voice, 1 to 10, God's voice, 1 to 10, whose are you hearing more of? Is it possible if we would put the phones away like we've been talking about in the last several weeks, if we're talking about if we would just try to live a little more simple with our schedule, is it possible if we would just be quiet every once in a while that God's trying to speak to us so that we can hear it? Because if we can hear it, then we have faith. When you hear God's word, it builds faith. It builds hope. It might not happen right away. Young person, you need to hear me this weekend. 34 and younger, we'll define young that way. Matt did 42 and younger a couple weeks ago. We'll go 34 and younger this weekend. Sound good? Sound good. If you're 34 and younger, listen to me. You're going to hear things and see things that you're supposed to do and supposed to be way before you're actually going to be them. Stop living like the world is telling you to live. Stop bouncing from job to job to job to job to job so that you can get the pay raise to get the car to get the house that you think you're supposed to have earlier than you're supposed to. Listen to me. As somebody somewhat near your age, listen to me. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Just because God told you does not mean it's supposed to happen right away. Now it's your job to be in the process of God so that the promise of God in your life can come true. Thirdly, it's simply this, is it's, it's going to require you seeking God way more than you think and way more than you want. In your meantime season, it is, <laughs> it is going to require you to seek God way more than you think and way more than you want. I'm a pastor, and there are many of things in my life that I've been stuck in that I did not want to seek God to the level that I needed to to break through my meantime season. So I can't imagine that there aren't hundreds, if not thousands of us who look on and go, I know I'm stuck. I know I need God. I know God's told me. I've heard what his word is. It hasn't come true. But man, I just don't want to, to seek him to that depth. I just don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the emotional capacity to get after God the way I need to. Listen to me, people. This weekend, if you're at Next Level Church, listen to me. If you are stuck in a meantime season and you know God has better for you and you're not here, but you're not there, whatever there is in your life, then you're going to have to seek God a lot harder than you think you will. It's not casual in the meantime. It's not casual in the meantime. Elijah wasn't praying these prayers like, oh God, would you just let this boy come back to life? Lord, do what you will only do. Blessings upon blessings upon blessings. Alive. Oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of Kyle. 
Would you light this wood on fire as I pour cups of water on it? Fire. Oh, Lord God, I need some rain in my life. Would you just let it pour, let it pour, let it pour? <laughs> That's ridiculous. My man's getting after it. My man's getting after it. Can I ask you a question this weekend? When's the last time you got after it in your prayer life for your meantime stuck season? Instead of hoping, hope is not a strategy. Prayer is. Hope's not a strategy. Prayer's a strategy. If this was you a year ago, and this is you now, and this is where you want to be, then if you've gotten 90% of the way there, the last 10% is going to be way harder than the first 90%. Because the enemy doesn't care that you got to 90 he just doesn't want you to get to 100. So married couples that are hanging on by a thread, just because you got to 90 after a tough season, that's not God's best for you. He wants you to get to 100. Businessman that launched the business, just because you got to 90%, God wants you to get to 100. Young adult, God wants you to get to 100. Single person that's been working on themselves, God wants you to get to 100. But from 90 to 91 and 91 to 92 and 93 to 94, each percent from 90 to 100 is going to feel like 1 to 90. And it's the enemy's strategy to get you to 90 so that you think you're there and then to frustrate you that you're not all the way there yet. And I'm just telling you, when you get to 90 in your life, you got to get after it in the spirit realm. You got to get after it in your prayer life. You got to turn off Netflix in the office and spend some time in prayer in your bedroom on your knees. The office isn't going to get you out of your meantime season. Scandal's not going to get you out of your meantime season. 24's not going to get you out of your meantime season. You know what will? Sitting on the ground like Elijah did, putting his head in between his legs and telling his servant to go to the mountain and look out towards the sea seven times to see if there's rain. And he climbs to the top of that mountain and he sits down and he puts his head in between his knees and he goes, God, I need this rain to happen. God, I, it's been three years. It's been three years. Hey, servant, servant guy, go check it out. Climb to the top, come back down, let me know. Servant goes off, he comes back. Nothing. Hey, there's nothing there. Okay, it's okay. Go back, go back. He goes back again. Elijah's just praying, man, God, please just, just make this happen. God, I don't know what else to do. I've tried everything I know how to do and it, it's not working. I've prayed, I've worshiped, I've soaped, I've, I've went to counseling, I've, I've read the books, I've read the articles. God, and the servant comes back. Hey, uh, hey, what'd you see? Nothing, nothing's there. And Elijah's just got his eyes closed. Go back again. Go back again. Go back again. Go back again. Servant comes back. Nothing's there. Nothing's there. Go again. Go again. Comes back a fourth time. What'd you see? What'd you see? Nothing's there. Okay. I need you to go back again. I need you to go back again because God told me. God told me. God told me we were going to have kids. And it's been two years. But he told me we were going to have kids. I need you to go back and see. God told me to start that business, and it's on the edge, but, but he told me, so I need you to go back and see. God told me that I'd be married one day, and I'm 33 and I'm not married. I need you to go and I need you to see, because God told me I'd have a family one day. God told me I'd be at a financial place one day that I could give above and beyond and be generous to people, and I'm not there yet. I need you to go and see. I need you to go and see. 
My teenagers are still far from God, and I've been praying for them for five years, and they just don't seem to care, and they're off in college right now, and they're not doing anything that has anything to do with Jesus. But God told me that he was going to use them one day for something special. I need you to go and see. And he comes back. What would you see? Nothing. Okay. I need you to go again. Six times. Go. Go again. Go again. And some of you right now, you're frustrated that I've been sitting here for four minutes because you know the end of the story. Some of you right now, you're so frustrated because we can't just be for four minutes when it might take four years. We're frustrated and we're not patient because, because, Kyle, we get it. We get the illustration. Get up and finish the message. But what if it takes 40 years? What if it takes four years? What if it takes four months that you have to sit down and you have to pray and seek God because God told you and he's been supplying for you in ways that don't make sense. And he's told you and he's showing up, but he's not exactly giving you what you need to give. And you've heard it and you know it's there and you're looking, but man, it's just not happening. When's the last time you sat and you prayed until God broke through in your meantime season? And the servant comes back the seventh time and goes, hey, what would you see? Hey, man, I saw a hand like a cloud. It was like the size of a hand. And I think, I think rain might be coming. I think rain might be coming. When's the last time you've been willing to look foolish in your prayer life? When's the last time you've seeked God like that? For the area that you probably come into this place this weekend hoping he'll answer. Most of us come to church because we're seeking something from God. We need something to happen in our life. We need rain in our life. So we come and we sing the songs, kind of, and we listen and write a few notes, kind of, and then we get in our car and we hope that God's going to answer it. Is it possible that God's got you in process right now and in that process you need to repair your altar and then you need to get after it in prayer far more than you think and far more than you want so that maybe the hand that's the size of a a cloud, the size of a hand can show up in your life and bring blessing in your life in the area that you feel stuck. Is it possible Is it possible the people that I know that are doing crazy big things for God, I ask them all the time, what are you doing? How is it working? What are you doing better than everybody else is doing? I'm serious as I can be. They look back at me all the time and they say, Kyle, I just pray more and I pray harder than most people probably do. All of them. And they don't know each other. So they don't have some generic answer they're given. Are you stuck right now? Yeah, Kyle, I've been praying. Seven times? Kyle, I've been praying. Stretched out three times? Kyle, I've been praying. Fill up the jars 12 times? Is it possible that God would tell you this weekend that if you'll go and you'll just be faithful and you'll get after it in prayer that maybe, just maybe, the breakthrough is just on the other side of your willingness to look a little foolish in your prayer life? Because here's what I know. His word is true. If he's told you, it's true. If you've read it, it's true. His timing is always perfect. It's never what you want. It's never when you want. It's only when he wants. He has a plan marked out for your life, Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So his timing is perfect. The kicker is your faithfulness. That's the kicker. 
Do you really believe that God doesn't have big things for your life? Do you really not believe that God's word is real in your life? Do you really believe that God doesn't want you to go from where you're at to where he wants you to be? His word is real. His word is alive. His timing is perfect. It really is your faithfulness. And if you'll just stay faithful in the meantime season, all that adds up to his promises. His word is real. His timing is perfect. If you'll stay faithful, is it possible that your faithfulness is the last thing that needs to happen so that his promises can come true? He knows it's going to happen. He knows when it's going to happen. The question is, will you let it happen? Will you work to make it happen? We want God to do everything for us, and God wants to do everything that he has for us, but sometimes we just have to be faithful in the meantime season, and we live in a culture that says, no, just get what you want, when you want, how you want, as quick as you want, and that's not God's process. His process is to build in us faith. It's to build in us endurance. It's to build in us perseverance so that when we do that, then his promises come real. But you got to stay faithful. Just be faithful. This is Mike Lowry. Mike moved to Fort Myers to start a church in Gateway 10 years ago. It didn't happen. It didn't work. He found our church in the meantime. He ended up on our staff in the meantime. Over three years ago, two years ago, Mike got cancer. And Mike passed away. Super sad for our staff, for people that knew him. He was like a grandpa to our staff. This was March 23rd, 2013, and that's myself on the Gateway launch. This was Gateway launch weekend. 1,340 people showed up for the launch of a, a life-giving church on Gateway, on Gateway Boulevard. This is Pastor Mike's Facebook page. It is happening. And I came off the stage after that moment, and I looked at Pastor Mike, and I said, hey, man, what are you thinking right now? He looked at me with this huge smile on his face and a tear in his eye, and he said, Kyle, all I can think about is how faithful God is. He told me there'd be a life-giving church on Gateway. It didn't work in my timing. It was his timing, and I've just stayed faithful. And sure enough, his promises are real. Married couple, hey, men, fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for it. You'll fight for everything else in your life. Fight for the person you stood at an altar with 20 years ago that you love deeply enough to ask to spend the rest of your life with them, but now you're not willing to fight for it. Fight for it. Be faithful. Be faithful. Teenager, be faithful. Young person, be faithful at that new job. Stay faithful. Single person, stay faithful to building your altar to make it look like God wants it to look so that when you meet him or her, you'll be ready. Stay faithful. Stay faithful in your finances. God's going to do something special in your finances. The sound of heavy rain is on your life if you'll just stay faithful. His word, his timing, your faithfulness equals the promises of God. Can I pray for you this weekend? Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. Lord, to share your word. God, I just pray right now that there are probably dozens of us here that in each service, God, that, that we need a breakthrough. God, we're in our meantime season. We're stuck. We're scared. We don't know what to do. God, we've been trying and asking and seeking for something for a long time, and it's just not seeming to happen. So, Jesus, I just pray right now that you would come across this place, God, that you would 
grant peace, that you would grant courage to some of us, God, to look on at the things in our life that you are providing, to look on at things in our life that you are doing, to look on at things that you are providing for us right now, even though they seem insignificant. And God, I just pray that the words we've heard from you, even though we can't see them yet, we would just stay faithful to them and that we would start to seek you in ways that don't make sense. We would start to seek you in ways that might look foolish to some people that are around us. We would seek you more than we want and more than we think we have to, God, because right on the other side of faithfulness is your promises. So Jesus, I just pray that for some of us in here tonight that we would leave this place full of faith, full of hope, excited that maybe, just maybe, we're right around the corner from your word coming true in our life. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, God. We lift our faith, we lift our hope, we lift our voices and our clapping, Jesus, knowing that you still are the big G God of our world today. And whatever you've said will come true if our faithfulness is a part of the process. As God, we believe that your promises are going to come true in our life. We pray all this in the name above all names. Everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Amen.